Welcome to today's episode on Life in the Front Office. I'm your host, Jake Hirschman, and excited for today's episode with the Vice President of Events for TBT, Jeanette Puzo. Um, Jeanette is uh, originally from Boston and excited to uh, dive into what she's uh, been able to do over the last few years of her career uh, after graduating from BU and then a couple other stops and we'll dive in. But uh, nonetheless, Jeanette, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. Excited to be on. Appreciate you having me. Great to be a part of this fantastic podcast series. Well, appreciate you you uh, being able to provide some advice and insights for us and and our listeners. And you know, as as I'm thinking about what we're going to chat about, and and you know, everyone was sitting there during the summer uh, wondering when sports was going to come back. And believe it or not, TBT was was one of the first, if not the first. And you know, you're, you're watching what you guys went through and what you were able to do and pretty amazing given uh, what we know now, given uh, what you knew then, right? And, and understanding the, the circumstances. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. Let's talk about how you got to TBT and kind of your route to the events world and, and your passion uh, behind it. Sure. Yeah. So originally from Boston, born and raised. Um, so I therefore grew up as a very passionate and loyal Boston sports fan. Um, it's kind of in your blood when you're born in Boston. And so I was a big fan of sports. And then I also played sports growing up. I played basketball and softball and um, basketball was always my main passion. I played on you know local CYO teams and uh, traveling AAU teams and played four years of varsity basketball in high school. Um, and so whether I was, you know, watching as a fan or playing um, as an athlete, sports were always what I was most passionate about. Um, and then, like you said, I went to Boston University. Uh, I was in the, the school management and um, ultimately majored in marketing. And I remember it was my sophomore year. We had an assignment where the teacher asked us to essentially write up what our ideal job would be. And so um, I went back to my dorm room and I, you know, just started typing in, you know, sports because that was my main passion and marketing because at that point, you know, I hadn't declared my major, but I thought that was the, the field I wanted to work in. And so lo and behold, I saw that there was actually a sports marketing career field. And it seems crazy now thinking back and not having already realized that, but I had never been exposed to anyone that actually worked in sports. Like I obviously knew there were athletes and there are coaches, but I never thought about all the people behind the scenes that are actually putting it together and making it happen. And so that was a very exciting moment, you know, when the light bulb goes off and you realize what you want to do with the rest of your life. Um, and so I knew at that point I wanted to work uh, in sports, ideally in a, a sports marketing department. And so um, when I was still in college, I was you know, very fortunate to have some incredible sports marketing experience. Um, I worked for the Boston Celtics um, for a couple of years, which for me, you know, at that point was a dream job just to be out there on the court and interacting with fans and doing all their in-game promotions after, you know, being a kid, I would go to games and get there early and, you know, watch practice and take pictures and then reluctantly go up to my seats in the, the nosebleeds and, um, and watch through binoculars. And so to be now on the court and, um, and getting to be a part of the behind the scenes for the Celtics, that was such a huge deal for me and uh, so excited, even though it was, you know, a rather small role, game day promotions, but um, was just a great first experience, first foot in the door um, in sports. And then um, I also worked for the Boston Breakers, the women's soccer team. Um, I think it was my junior 
year, uh, summer going into senior year, and they were a very small organization. And so that was also, you know, a great experience in a marketing department where I was able to get my hands into a lot of different areas of the business. Um, you know, they had me run the the Wave Rider fan club, do all the, the emails and contests and oversee the, the tent at the home games and do sponsorship activation and merchandise fulfillment. And so I really got to know a lot of different parts of the business that goes on behind the scenes for a sports team. Um, and then when I studied abroad in London, I worked for the British Olympic Association. And so that was also a, a tremendous experience. Again, a a small organization and that surprised me considering you know they represent team great britain in the olympics and um but they were you know so friendly and welcoming and um learned a lot through them as well learned about a different culture too and kind of how different businesses uh, over there a lot more casual with you know lunch outings at the pub and trivia nights and things like that but also learned a lot you know work-wise um so then coming out of school you know my hope was that with all of the great work experience that I had and with the marketing degree that I could, you know, fuse those two and have a, a full-time job in sports. Um, but I ended up getting a job offer from an IT media company uh, in their marketing department. And being a, you know, recent college grad, I was excited to get a job offer. And so um, I accepted it and, um, you know, made the most of that opportunity. I learned a lot. I had the opportunity to travel to places all over the world that I'd never been to before. Um, made a lot of great friendships and essentially moved up within the marketing department from the coordinator level up to the director level. Um, but I knew at the end of the day, you know, IT media was not what I was passionate about. And so um, I want well, to stop you right there because that's such an interesting <laughs> part of your journey in that, you know, you, you were working in sports, working in sports, working towards this you know, the, not only the degree, but all these different experiences to get your start, right? And there's kind of this expectation of like, all right, what's next? Mm -hmm. um, and the fact that you go and the first job you take is actually not in sports, it's in IT. And, you know, half the people in your major are probably wondering what IT is, yeah. and what it stands for, even for that matter. <laughs> um, and, you know, you go and you get this experience, and you continue to move up and you move up. And it wasn't like, let me just take this job, for the paycheck and then try and find something else like you actually embraced it you tried to figure out how you know you could take those experiences and and turn them into something else in the future uh, but that's such a key point and and i think would be great for you to reflect on kind of like what went into that decision because for most uh especially during this time right now for those who either graduate in the spring or they're you know going into their senior year or they're in grad school and they're trying to find that job in sports more likely than not, they may have to try and take that path that you did to some extent because of the circumstances in which we live in. And, you know, but then take advantage of that opportunity to find something else and gain different experiences and skill sets to then take to the sports industry later. Right, for sure. Yeah. And it was, I'll admit, my senior year, you know, I had my heart set on there was one particular job um, within a, a sports company based in Boston. And I, essentially put all my eggs in that one basket and I was really hopeful that it would work out and there were a series of interviews that went from I think the the fall you know semester through um, April May timeline so right up until graduation and um, it was a very competitive you know position uh, did not get the offer and so then I started you know doing what everyone else would do and, and go online looking for other opportunities in marketing and so um, you know when I took the job 
again, wasn't sports. So I was a little bit, you know, heartbroken about that, but I knew it was still a good job opportunity. There was still experience to be had around marketing and events and ultimately all the skills that you learn at every single job that you have are absolutely transferable to your next position. Um, and so learning about the ins and outs of working in a marketing department and, you know, sending out emails and promotions to um, potential event attendees. And at that time, you know, IT information technology professionals um, to attend our events and listen to our webcasts and, and all that. Um, there's still skills that I could apply to a future role. Um, and you just, you build up obviously your full skill set to beyond just the the work responsibilities. It's working with the team, you know, leading a team, uh, growing as an individual, uh, learning to handle stressful situations, how to you know think on your feet at events. And so I'm extremely grateful for the time that I had there. Um, like I said, I, I built a lot of great friendships, and um, you know there were opportunities that came up while I was there, but they weren't the right fit. And that's something I always tell you know to students that that reach out and um, are trying to get that quote unquote dream job out of school. And I just tell them, you know, just realize that you have a journey, everyone has their journey and every job that you have is going to make you, you know, someone that has a broader skill set, and um, you'll be able to bring those skills to the, the next opportunity. So value every opportunity that you have, um, you know, work hard and that work ethic will, will pay off for you down the road. Yeah, and as you think about the world of IT, you know, I can't imagine, look, it's a generalized statement, but I can't imagine everyone is just as gung-ho and passionate about IT as they are, you know, it's sports, right? When you, uh, now, a lot of those people probably have, you know, uh, favorite teams and, and they probably are passionate about sports, but when you do work in that sports organization, it's really rare that you find someone that isn't passionate about what they're doing. Yeah. And that actually makes it pretty easy to work with people and get things done and all move towards a common goal. What were maybe some of the struggles that you had working in an environment where people maybe were there just to get a paycheck or they were passionate about something else outside of work and, and um, you know, had their days, you know, here and there? Yeah, I think personally for me, um, there was always a learning curve, uh, whereas in sports, you know, I innately knew how basketball is played and I know, you know, what it takes to put on a basketball event and do the in-game promotions and things like that. But with IT, when I was promoting an event on a specific IT topic, whether it was virtualization or security or storage, I had to learn about it. So it was almost like I was back, you know, in class at BU. And so educating myself first, so then I could produce, you know, a concise email marketing message or, um, you know, work with our, our call center team that was going to reach out to these IT pros and pitch the event and really understand what was going to be a draw to them. And so, again, just having that, you know, marketing know-how to realize how to uh, promote something to an audience and, um, you know, hopefully have a strong call to action to make them ultimately attend your event or, you know, click on the link in the email or whatever it is. And so I think, you know, there were some people that I worked with who, um, maybe the editors who really did have a passion for what they were writing about, which was important because they're, you know, writing about it all day, every day and interviewing um, experts in the field. But I think there were other marketers that I worked with who had similar feelings, you know, like we're not super passionate about IT, but um, it was just a fun team environment. I had a lot of great, like I said, friendships there. And so I think that's what really helped us <laughs> kind of get through the days and um, kind of work together and, and always have each other's back if we needed to cross promote to, you know, another person's um, audience or, or anything like that. And having the extracurricular activities like company softball and everything, it kind of kept the morale high. And so we really enjoyed coming to work because we enjoyed the people that we worked with.
company softball. Sports is always <laughs> at the underlying theme of everything, right? Yes. Um, you know, as, as you think about, you know, your upbringing in Boston, look, you've, you know, you've, these brands that you're surrounded by, you know, the Bruins, the Celtics, the Patriots, the Red Sox, I mean, these are big, big brands. And then you go and, and you work for TBT in which isn't necessarily this established, you know, it's not the NBA, right? It's not uh, the NFL. It's not this big brand, but they're doing something really unique, innovative, and creative. Um, what, what got you to go there? And then um, obviously you stayed for a little while, so it's, it's been going successfully. And, and um, you know, again, we'll, we'll kind of dive into what the summer was like, but what got you to TBT and, and why? Yeah, so while I was at uh, Tech Target was the name of the IT media company. And um, because, as we've been talking about, that wasn't my main passion, I did get involved on the side with uh, the Boston Bruins organization. And so similar to what I did for the Celtics um, with the Boston Bruins, I was doing all of the in-game promotions as well as the uh, community events with the athletes. And um, through doing that, I met a lot of people at the TD Garden who then asked me to help out with some of the other events that they put on. So concerts, gymnastics, um, you know, a variety of different events that they put on there aside from the Celtics and the, the Bruins games. And so I was doing behind the scenes tours and anything and everything, you know, they asked me to, to help with. And so I was balancing my full-time job with the Bruins and the TD Garden on the side to fulfill my sports passion and continue to, you know, keep my foot in the door in the sports industry and, and build my network. And then as my essentially third job um, concurrently that I was doing was uh, there's a nationwide nonprofit called WISE and it stands for Women in Sports and Events. And so I got introduced to um, the Boston chapter president and uh, joined the board initially as the membership and marketing um, coordinator and then ultimately uh, stepped into the president role. And so through WISE, I also met you know, a lot of amazing women that work in sports in events in Boston, but also across the country. Um, we would have a, an annual um, president's summit in New York. And so um, I would meet you know, the other chapter presidents from Chicago to LA to San Francisco, Atlanta, and everywhere in between. And so um, through the Bruins and the Wise, that was kind of fulfilling, you know, that part of my, my soul and my passion for sports, um, but also you know, meeting all of these new people who were in the industry and, you know, I was kind of building my, uh, my resume, you know, with them and whenever there were opportunities, you know, people would reach out to me and um, I was kind of waiting for the right thing to come along before, like I said, before I, you know, left Tech Target. And so what happened was in 2012, um, when I was the, the Wise Boston chapter president, I had the, the woman who started all of Wise uh, send me an email. And so she was connecting me with a woman who was moving from New York to Boston. And so she had been a part of the New York chapter and um, the woman who started wise was telling her, you know, you should meet Jeanette. Jeanette's the Boston chapter president and get involved with the, the Boston chapter. And so at first we were emailing back and forth about wise and um, trying to schedule, you know, a coffee date to get together. And before we had a chance to get together, she sent me a follow-up email and she's telling me about this new, organization she's working for called the basketball tournament and they're looking for uh, regional event managers and so she wanted me to circulate the job description to the wise boston database and so i opened the attachment and i'm reading the description and like all right basketball you know the sport i've been playing my whole life and i'm more passionate about than anything and the job responsibilities you know entailing marketing and events and that's everything you know i'm experienced in in my my career and then there was also at that point a reality tv component and that's my 
guilty pleasure. Um, so it was literally everything and anything, you know, that I'm passionate about or experienced in kind of wrapped up into this job description. And so I immediately emailed her back and I said, yep, no, I know someone that would be a, a good fit for this role. I am not circulating this <laughs> with anyone else. Um, but so she and I got together and we talked about TBT and we talked about WISE. Um, and I was super excited, you know, for TBT to take off. I full heartedly believed in uh, the concept and knew that it would be a, a big hit. And um, long story short, for the next two years, uh, we stayed in touch and we'd get together every now and again and kind of check in on things. But I was waiting and hoping for this job to come to fruition. And so we were still trying to get, you know, um, a network deal and sponsorship interest. And so it took a couple of years before there was the, um, all of that in place and the, the funding to bring me on full time. And so uh, I took another opportunity in the interim with Spartan Race, did that for a year. And then finally got the email, you know, saying, you know, we have budget approval for your role. And uh, ironically, I actually had a job offer <laughs> from New Balance at the same exact time that I get this email saying that TBT is about to happen. And so when you ask about, you know, making that decision and um, ultimately taking a little bit of a risk because it was a startup and like you said, not a known entity just yet. And so I had New Balance and I had TBT and, um, you know, was really excited about the New Balance opportunity. It's a, an established brand, um, had only heard good things about the company culture and, and all of that. And then I had TBT, the job that for two years, I felt like I already had because I was always telling people about it and saying how excited I was about it and how I was waiting for it to come to fruition. And so I knew I had to take it, um, even if it was only for a year, I just knew it would be an amazing opportunity uh, and experience. And so thankfully, seven years later, we're still here and I'm still doing it, but, um, but yeah, it's been, it's been a fun ride um, and yeah that's you know it was a risk I was willing to take and I'm generally a very risk averse person uh, my lifestyle but um, but TBT was one I was willing to take the leap for because I believed in it wholeheartedly and I was super excited about it and passionate about it and um, and love doing what I do you know someone has you in an interview and they ask you like hey describe one word like in one word describe yourself right I would say patient I mean that's incredible that you waited two years you know for this opportunity to kind of uh, matriculate and, and and ultimately become into something and then knowing that once you got in it it was only going to be even more work from there on right and and understanding kind of where you were heading uh incredible right and and as you think about you know seven years late seven years later where you're at now and what tbt has become you know i want to talk about your experience this summer and and what that's uh what lessons you've learned from that and then also what you know, insights uh, that others listening to this can take, you know, forward uh, as, as sports, you know, has its journey through the rest of 2020 and, and beyond. Yeah, it was um, a unique year for everybody, obviously. And I think in, in general with events, you know, you always have to be flexible and nimble and, you know, you plan and you plan and you plan, but you know that on site things are going to, to happen and you need to react quickly and, you know, put out those fires and move forward. And the ultimate goal is to, you know, take care of everything behind the scenes, all the organized chaos, but ultimately what you present, um, you know, on TV, what's seen by fans and um, everyone normally when you have fans in attendance, um, their experience and the players experience and production and talent and sponsors, you just want it to be a positive experience for everyone. And so um, this year, uh, I think required just next level flexibility and being nimble and patient, like you said, um, you know, we were planning back in the beginning of this year to put on our, you know, full-fledged TBT, where similar to 2019, we would have eight regional sites and then a championship 
uh, location. And so we started, you know, having those discussions with each of the venues and all of a sudden coronavirus happened and everything, you know, stopped. And we, as everyone did, kind of took it day by day, started getting, you know, new information on testing and um, how the virus could be transmitted and paying attention to all the other, you know, leagues, both domestically and international and what they were doing and um, having Zoom calls every single day, kind of gauging where we were and, and what we think would be possible. And we never had the mindset that there wasn't going to be a TBT. Like we always said, we're gonna have an event. It might not be the full-fledged, you know, nine locations um, and 64 teams, but there'll be some version of TBT. And we just didn't know at that point how scaled back we had to be and what exactly the health and safety, you know, protocols were going to be. And so, um, it was a new level of patience this year and, and thankfully being a smaller organization, you know, we could be as nimble, I guess, as we needed to be. And we had a lot of great, you know, agency partners as well that were willing to be patient with us and were very understanding about the position that we were in. Um, and so the, the conversations that we had been having, you know, with the regions that we were planning to play in started to evolve. And um, while we were trying to figure out what we we're doing, they were also trying to figure out what their plan was. Some of them still are trying to figure it out. You know, they didn't know when their students would come back on campus, when their student athletes would come back on campus, when the facilities that we would normally need to use would be available to us. Um, and if students weren't back on campus and athletes weren't using those facilities, what are the optics looking in, you know, if TBT is on campus and they're not. And so it was a whole new list of um, discussions and criteria that played into what TBT was going to look like um, this year. And so I think, um, you know, I think about what I do and, and what we had to do this year to make it work. I think relationship management was such a, a key piece and communication, obviously. And so um, staying in touch with everyone, being completely transparent with them on, on where we stood on things and, um, you know, it was a, a two-way street. Everyone that we spoke to is the same thing. Like I said, they're trying to figure out what their plan is. And so um, ultimately it became abundantly clear that the only way to put on an event this year was to have it in one location in order for it to be a, a health, health, healthy and safe uh, environment for everyone involved. And so um, it was, again, kind of learning more about the, the different testing options and turnaround time and working with local and state health officials and um, figuring out you know, what we needed to do to make sure that we could get sign off um, to even have the event. And so there was a very small window this year. Once we finally put our, our stake in the ground of we're going to play in Columbus, we're going to do one location, it's going to be 24 teams, um, million dollar prize. And then it was just, you know, running as fast as we could to, uh, to make it all happen. And so um, normally, you know, I would go on site and I would visit the venues and meet the contacts in person and do the, the walkthrough. Um, this year, it was uh, relying on them a lot more heavily to kind of guide me through as we did virtual, you know, site visits and a lot of, again, Zoom calls. Um, and so thankfully, you know, we had a, a host hotel um, that allowed us to take over the entire hotel because that was the only way we could safely, you know, maintain the bubble. Um, and we had a venue nationwide arena that worked with us that wasn't hosting. Normally, they'll have the Blue Jackets uh, hockey team home games and other events um, and so they were available and um, I think everyone you know by that point now we're into June was just excited about the idea of going to work and having something to do again and so that actually worked in our favor and um, you know from the venue staff to the security um, and everyone else like everyone was just really uh, grateful for the opportunity to work and to be a part of something special um, you know the first 
live sporting event, live basketball event um, on TV. And so um, I think, you know, some of the lessons learned were, you know, you, <laughs> you have your plan in January, but uh, you have to be able to pivot and adjust your plan as necessary. And this year more so than ever, that was the case. And, um, you know, there was the, the usual uh, task list of at the arena game days, you know, what's the setup going to look like and the signage and, and all of that. But then that was such a small piece of the puzzle this year where now it was thinking through from the moment that a staff member or a player gets there until the moment that they leave, what are all the touch points that we have to make sure that there's, you know, complete um, health and safety adherence to all the guidelines, of course, wearing a mask and um, staying six or more feet apart and all of that. But um, we really had to think through the logistics uh, for something that had never been done before. So there was no blueprint. Um, and once we got on site, we were honestly still kind of figuring it out as we went. And thankfully, you know, we had buy-in from everyone, um, which we needed in order to make it work. And uh, everyone adhered to all the, the guidelines. And thankfully, we all got out, you know, healthy and, and safe. Yeah, I think I think the word for 2020 is pivot. And if you want to think of another P word that that makes the most sense, and and you get rid of pivot and put pivot out of your mind because it's probably so so overused by this point. You know, I think patience. I go back to you know what you learned kind of in your career journey and how that's really probably played a huge factor in you know the putting this execution on uh, this summer and and just being patient, knowing that. There's probably something new tomorrow that was going to happen that was going to throw a wrinkle on everything you worked on today, right? And and just understanding that the the patience that it took to um, deal with that adversity, right, and and not get frustrated or or overwhelmed, uh, you know, as you think about uh, the things that you are going to take from you know TBT this summer and into TBT, you know, next year, and and what that looks like. Again, still don't know, right? But um, for, for those that are, you know, trying to understand, uh, what it takes to put on an event like that and, and, and the details and, um, you know, the, you mentioned the relationship management and the communication, but, you know, what's the one thing that surprised you the most that aha, like, oh, wow, I didn't even think about that. Cause there's always that one thing you're like, shoot, forgot about that one. Right. Yeah. Um, I think once we got on site, I mean, we, Honestly, it was like you said, every single day the plan was evolving. So, um, you know, the the format, the the testing schedule, um, my budget was then being <laughs> affected, you know, as we added new health and safety measures, um, thinking through, you know, whether it's on the elevator, the different, you know, signage that's gonna be in there, whether it's the scores table and having, you know, the sneeze guards and all that. Um, thinking about all the different staff that were going to be helping us enforce those health and safety guidelines like security and the hotel staff, how they were going to be able to do that with us without knowing the teams the same way that we do. You know, after seven years of putting on the event, there's a lot of teams that come back every year. And so it's, it's fun because it's like a, a family reunion. And so um, we know a lot of the guys and which team they're on and which quadrant, you know, of the bracket they fall in. But outside of our our small TBT team, there's so many other, you know, partners that work with us on site to put on the event. And so it's important to think through with them on site, being able to help you enforce everything, what you need to do signage wise and supplies wise and communication wise to get everyone on the same page. And so we had, you know, uh, color coordinated credentials and masks um, so that they would know, you know, this person is on this team and in this quadrant. So they should only be on this practice court or in that meeting room that has their team you know, um, sign on it. And so it was really helpful. <laughs> we got there five days before any of the teams arrived and one to do our 
own quarantine and, and further testing, um, but also to walk through for the first time and um, figure out exactly where we needed to set things up and keep it, you know, safe and, um, and distanced and, and all that. And so I think, you know, it's just the details mattered so much more this year than ever before. And I'm a, you know, hyper or like detail oriented person. And um, I'm always thinking through that stuff. But this year, more than ever, it was so important because one, you know, mess up or, you know, someone not wearing their mask or breaking the bubble could have completely toppled the entire event. And that was our, you know, our worst fear was someone, you know, getting sick. But ultimately, we also wanted to be able to put on an actual event and be able to showcase the competitive basketball that we do every summer and, and crown a champion. And so um, I think just, you know, being able to think through every single little detail and, and walk through um, all the different touch points and, and all that is, is crucial to making sure that the bubble works. And um, I think, you know, we're seeing that with the, the NBA and the WNBA and how they've structured um, their bubbles, you know, very similarly. And so, and we're seeing it not work so well for other leagues that, um, that haven't done that. And so um, I think everyone's eager to get back to sports. Everyone wants to, you know, for all the, the time that all these other organizations have been patient and planning and planning and planning some more, they want to get to the fulfilling moment of actually putting on the event. And, um, you know, I have some good friends that I met with last night, one that's with the sports commission locally and working on the Super Bowl for next year. And the other one works at USF in athletics. And so they're both very eager to get to the point of putting on, you know, the event and um, we're picking my brain a little bit on the bubble and how we made it work. And, I was like, ultimately, you have to have a bubble and it has to be a true bubble. You have to, you can't just have it, you know, listed out and um, present that. You need to actually enforce it and, um, and hold people accountable. And so that's why, you know, TBT was successful because we had buy-in from everyone, all of our partners and from all the, the athletes and the staff. Yeah, I mean, the, the details, you could go on and on. We could probably talk for a couple of hours on this at least and, and especially the enforcement piece. And it's just... To, to say it's complex is, is a little bit understated, right? And, uh, you know, obviously there's a lot that goes into it. So uh, as we wrap up the episode, I, I, you know, you think about where you're heading and, and your, your journey and your path. And uh, you mentioned you're in Tampa. And so, you know, uh, changing climates a little bit uh, from, from the Northeast cold and, and into the, the humid South, right? And, and you think about uh, your journey and, and maybe one thing that you've uh, you would tell students uh, other than you know maybe what we've talked about earlier in the episode but just one thing that that's really kind of stood out to you uh, throughout this year uh, and, and going forward. Yeah um, I mean there's there's so much there were so many lessons learned this year um, and we actually did have some interns that helped us out on site so I know they were very grateful for the experience and they learned a lot from it and um, being able to see kind of all all of us come together on site and all the um, the pieces that go together to make an event successful. Um, I think, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's the work ethic um, that definitely stands out when you're someone who is willing to do anything and everything and no task is too small. Um, that always stands out for me with students coming out of school or students that are interning for us. Um, it's not you know, right after the game is over, leaving the gym, it's coming up and asking, is there anything else I can do? Do you need help with anything else? And that goes a long way. Um, so I think just having that mindset of, uh, you know, working hard and knowing that it absolutely does pay off. People remember that. Um, I think it's a big one. And, you know, the relationship building is important. Um, I think maintaining those relationships and treating everyone, you know, equal, like for me, it doesn't matter if you're the CEO or, janitor or an intern or whoever, um, you know, treating everyone with respect and um, giving them 
the time, you know, everyone deserves um, the opportunity to kind of understand what's going on um, and how their, their, what their roles and responsibilities are fit into the, the overall picture. And so I try to always, you know, take that time to get to know everyone and um, make sure that it's a combined team effort um, because that's what you need in order. Again, for an event to be successful, you need uh, complete buy-in from everybody from the top down. So. No, that's fantastic. And obviously you can understand, you know, just from your perspectives and, and the thought that, uh, that you have that goes into it all, why, you know, why you're successful and, and why you're able to, to execute what you did this summer. And, and so, um, Jeanette, you know, last thing I got to ask, yeah. Bruins, Celtics, Red Sox, <laughs> or Patriots, which one? What's, what's the favorite? Oh, it's such a hard question. Um, and I'm such a spoiled fan for, I know having it be such a hard question. Um, you know, again, being a diehard, uh, basketball fan and, and player um the Celtics are probably the most fun for me to watch especially this year um still being I, and I, I could be forgetting I mean you gotta you gotta factor in the Terriers sorry I've, oh I've, yeah I've, hockey yes known for our hockey um it's tough though because I have a loyalty to the Bruins too I was with them in 2011 when they won the Stanley Cup and so I have a Stanley Cup ring in the other room and I, I got to be a part of the parade and so I'm forever grateful for that experience um the Patriots dynasty and run that they had uh, it's, it really is a hard question. Um, I struggle with it. So, and the Red Sox. I, I, left, I left field. You're going to go Tampa Bay Lightning. <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely not. That's yeah. It's interesting now living in Tampa because obviously Tom Brady and Gronk now playing for the, yeah, right. the Bucks. Um, I never wanted to see Tom. No Patriots fan wanted to see Tom in a, a different Jersey. Um, so I'm still bitter and sad about it. Uh, but I figured if he had to come somewhere, you know, Tampa would be the the next best thing. So if there is a season, you know, I'll be excited to go watch him hopefully at Raymond James. But um, yeah, the Red Sox, I think if you asked, honestly, my friends and family, they would probably say she's a Red Sox girl. Um, if you can see in the background, but I had, we had our engagement photos outside Fenway Park. Um, I went to a ton of games back in 2004 uh, when the Red Sox finally defeated the Yankees in the ALCS. And I got to go to a World Series game, which at that point, who knew, you know, whether the Red Sox would ever get another chance at the World Series since they've gone 86 years without it. And so it's so ingrained. All four sports are such a big part of, um, of my life and of my story. And so it truly is really hard. All right. Well, I mean, one would say if you got engaged outside Fenway Park, yeah, I think you're a Red Sox fan. Yeah. So. I think yeah. I <laughs> well, really appreciate your time and insights, advice, and, and certainly enjoy hearing, hearing about your journey and your path. And uh, hopefully someone who's listening to this can, can take a, a page out of your book. So uh, appreciate it and look forward to the next conversation. It was a lot of fun. Thanks so much for having me, Jake. <laughs>